Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Welcome to Dungeons & Dragons. It's me, your Dungeon Master, Russ Moore. Today, we don't have a regular episode for you. We resume the regular schedule with Flint, Thea, and uh, Carla's new character next week. Tease, I think you're really going to like them. And there's a lot of action right off the top. I'm almost done editing it as we speak. I'm going to get to that right after this. But this week, we'd like to share with you a resource to help you get started playing games quicker, faster, better, more comfortably. Yeah, that's basically the sum of it. Uh, Sean Howard from The End of Time and Other Bothers and Alba Salix and myself uh, get together every few weeks or so. And we answer listeners' questions. We try to make tabletop role-playing games as accessible as possible and take some of the guesswork out of it so that when you sit down to play a new game or a game that you've been playing forever but just kind of are stuck in a rut in, give you a little bit of an inspiration or a kick or the confidence you need in order to not only get playing more games but to run those games because one of the finite resources in tabletop role-playing is Dungeon Masters and Game Masters. And that's why today we are going to play an episode for you of dm to gm If you like what Sean and I have to offer, we hope that you go check it out and subscribe wherever you can download podcasts. All the details are in the description down below or you can visit dmtogm.com. That's dm2gm.com. And without further ado... Here are some tips, some tricks, some ideas, and the things you need to know on how to sit down and play Dungeons & Dragons the 5th edition as fast and as comfortably as possible. Thank you very much. Next week, we'll have a regular episode for you. And until then, be safe and be good to each other and yourself. Welcome to dm to gm We're the show that helps you feel more comfortable playing the games that you want to play. I'm your DM from Dungeons & Dragons, Russ Moore. And I'm your GM from The End of Time and Other Bothers, Sean Howard. And today, we've got a very good question. One that comes up a lot when dealing with um, game systems that have large and extensive uh, base books. Like the one we're going to talk about today, Dungeons & Dragons, the 5th edition. Bum, bum, bum. Our question comes from uh, at Models, who's over on our Discord. You can join us. Link is down in the description there. And their first question is, what's the bare minimum a GM or DM needs to know? That's the question that we all ask ourselves. Specifically in this case about D&D 5th edition. Yes. Models goes on to say that uh, they came up with the question because they got the D&D three book package being the Dungeons Master's Guide, the Player's Handbook and the Monster Manual. Um, it, of course, comes with a DM screen, uh, which summizes a lot of the things that the DM needs to know in a confusing way. That's a lot of information. It, if that's the first thing you open, yeah. it's overwhelmed. It's just it's, like charts. It's a lot of information. So the thing you need to know about a lot of these games When's are, the last time you used land travel rules, Russ? Uh, my last session. 
Damn you. Okay, good. <laughs> Look, I've got people trying to go to the middle of a continent. They need to have land travel rules. All right. Anyways, so what this made models realize is that there is a lot to know, and there is a lot to know. So hopefully today, uh, we're going to at least pare down some of the things that you can skip to first, read through first, before you sit down at a table or have your players sit down and read, um, so that you can get playing uh, not necessarily super fast, but quicker than having to read through 900 plus pages of rules and stat blocks and all that sort of stuff. All right, I have the first one. All right. Okay, you're going to open that pack of three things. Yeah. And you're going to take the monster manual and you take the player's handbook and you're going to take the dungeon mat screen. You're going to put that in a beautiful place where you're going to like look at it and read it and have access to it by your bedside, wherever you want. You're going to take that dungeon master's guide and you're going to basically hide it. Don't read it. There you go. That's the first thing. The beautiful thing they did with 5th edition, because I'm a 2E guy, right, from 2E. You had to read the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Player's Handbook in 2E. What they've done really well, I think, in 5th edition is I bought the Dungeon Master's Guide and I was, like, reading it. And I'm like, like, it's fine. It's good if you want to then do that later. But the beautiful thing in 5E is all you need is the Player's Handbook and it's all your players need. Um, As a GM, as a player, it's all you need. You can play the game. And they've even gone one step further and they've pared down the player's handbook from 300 plus pages down to a mere 180 pages. <laughs> um, but on their almost website. Almost 50% off. Right? That's almost 50% less. And here's the hook. D&D, they want people to play their game. So they've given you those base rules, the 180 pages with the four main races, the four main classes for free. Free, Russ. Really? Free. This is an wow. This, not not a sponsor, not a sponsor <laughs> yet. Um, but on their website, we'll link it down in the description, as we have in many past episodes because we've talked about this before. Is they give you that pared down version for free. So if you want to go deeper and know more later, go get the books, go buy the books, uh, get it on D and D Beyond, whatever you got to do. But you can sit down with your friends. It walks you through how to build a character, how to plan a combat encounter, how magic works. And that's the three kind of base things you need to know. So I've just answered our question. Sorry, I've ruined our entire episode. No, you haven't. It's good, but we have more. Yeah. So that's good. So I think it's a great idea of just learn the base rules, play the base rules, because what you want to do is have fun. Yes. Even as the GM, it's a lot. So you should have fun. So make it easier. Have fun. Now. What's going to happen is that as you get closer to game night, like let's say you've downloaded it, you've sent that link to all your players, everyone's excited, everyone's read. As you get closer to game night, overwhelm will start to set in as a GM. Guaranteed first time. It's going to happen. It so happens be ready even for it. after you do it for <laughs> It happens every recording day for me. First idea I, I had, I was like, oh, use your players. And I think you should. You should ask every player to learn the their player character like that's just one small section now those hundred but they just have to learn those eight pages six pages whatever it is they should understand what it means all as much as they can about the first level for that player character class and race and when they're doing that they're gonna figure out a lot of the other game mechanics as they go you're gonna figure out what your skills and ability scores are you're gonna figure out your ac you're gonna figure out your hits and your attacks and the this i mean you may you may not know exactly what the bonuses do for you in the moment 
but it, you're going to know what they are so that you, when the DM or GM asks for those things, you now have an idea of where to go and find it because you've filled out your sheet, you've read through the, 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 the description in the book, and it's going to be easier to reference for everybody once you sit down at yep. the table. And create a Discord, create a closed Facebook group, create a place where every player, as they're reading it, can be like, wait, what does this mean? And it's going to make it easier for you as the game master because you can be like, oh, wait, I think I know I read that. And then you can take some time, go back, read about that thing in the book and be like, oh, yeah, that's this. And then everybody's learning together and it keeps it just easier than everyone learning it all at once. And having that side group going, the other great thing, too, is that if you don't have the answer, maybe Stephen over there read a little bit more. And Stephen always has the answer. Stephen always has the answer. Always. Maybe he read a little bit more and he's got it ready to go. Not only did they, he help your other player, but he helped you understand it a little bit better as well, If whether you were a little yeah. shaky on it or not. Okay, so now you prepared. you relatively comfortable, all of you, but it's a little nerve-wracking moving up to the game. I'm going to skip over prep. We're going to talk about that in a minute, okay? Because that is a place of overwhelm. We're going to talk about you running your first game. I have created, and if Russ pushes me, I'll do this as a little flow charty thing in OmniGravel, but I just penciled out a flow chart. Of course you did. Okay. Yes, I did. You're at the table and someone wants to do something. They say, my character scales the wall because they're a thief and they're going to go around the guards. So the first thing you have to answer is, is it a spell? No. No. So then you go to this other section. Russ. Does it seem really difficult? Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you know the rule for this? No. No. My next thing says roll something. Okay. Just roll something. Roll a dice. Roll a die, Russ. And is it high or low? It's a one. So? It's low. They failed. They failed miserably. You you've, you started to climb. You're looking really good. The sweat's glistening. The sun is beating down. And then you hit a rock. And then you fall <gasps> backwards. <gasps> I was only five feet up. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so basically, the ideas in the game have fun. If you don't know a rule, just say, you can even say to the table, guys, I don't know what to do here. Let's roll. Yeah. And then you're, you, in your head, you can think 15 or higher out of a 20. Just always roll a 20-sided die. It's D&D. Roll a 20-sided die. Decide what happens and go. And I want to back up a little. Let's say someone says they want to do something. Like the guy goes, I want to run around the guards, Russ. Now you could, Russ, as GM, would be like, well, are you engaged? How many feet? How many blocks they take up? Are they large? Are you a small or extra small two-state? Anyways, or Russ could just be like, when I said, does it seem difficult? It's not a spell. So then does it seem difficult? No. Russ says, no, it works. Perfect. They run around the guards. That's it. Yep. Right? If a player wants to do something and it seems not difficult, you don't have to roll anything. Just have fun. The The only times you really want to roll is if there's risk of failure. Yes. So if you think, okay, so going back to that guard situation, I could have said, yes, it's going to be difficult. Why? Because those two guards just had 14 Red Bulls and they are on, they're on point. (laughs) They're there, they're watching, they're scanning, they've got laser beams up above, just honing in. That's going to be difficult. I got my new sword out. Now you've got to roll stealth to get around them. And if you fail. I don't know the stealth rolls. What do I do? 
You roll. Roll something. I'm going to roll a 20-sided die. Wait. I'm rolling a 20-sided die, Russ. Oh, God. I need to do stealth. I'm a thief. I have high decks. I rolled an eight. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? Well. What happens? Do you have a plus? Uh, it says plus one next to decks. Okay, so you add that to your roll, which gives you that's a, a nine. nine. So now ah, that's unfortunate because those jacked up Red Bull um, guards, oh. you tripped. Just wait, wait, as wait! You... I read wrong. I had plus four. Oh, it's a twelve. You know what? You, you thought you were gonna trip, but then you caught your oh. wind. You rolled out yeah. just to hit the shadows because you're a yeah. roguish character. Yes, I am. You made it by, but now they're a little more on alert. So the people coming in behind you, it's going to be a little bit harder for them to get there. I don't care about them. Sweet. There we go. That's how we do it. So don't get overwhelmed at the table. Have fun. If you don't know the rule, just roll something and you can always write it down. You can have somewhere on your table, write it down. And it's a rule you can look up later. So you can all be like, oh, that's how we do that. But really, it's about having fun, and it's about the risk of the dice. Um, a thing I liked to do when I was uh, I liked to do when I was learning how to play, and Tom, Amy, and Carl and I were all playing around the table, just trying to figure out the game as we were going. Yeah, plug your show. Go ahead, plug your show, Russ. Uh, it was this before, way way before the show. Um, go go. But we were going. all playing around the table, and I had my my module out. I had my monsters. I had all of this. Uh, but I designated Tom to be my rules checker. So if it's something that I didn't know in the moment, I did I did what Sean and I did is we we made it up. We played it. We made it fun. But then I said, Tom, can you check that for me to see if what we did applies to the rules or if it broke in the game in some way, shape or form that we have to then go back and change, which we were still doing in the Tiamat episode, which we were still doing in the Tiamat episode. That was a very important episode to up a big rule on. Pardon my life. To no, that's not the word I want to say. To screw up a big rule. Whoops. It's a hundred percent great to have someone that will just check a rule and you can come back to, or just write it down. Yeah. Like you don't have to do it in the moment. Let's look at it later. Um, so I think that'll help. So we've talked about, okay, what do you do to ramp up? Um, we talked about what do you do in the game if you don't know what to do? Um, and we didn't really go into the spell one. So I want to talk about that. Sure. Um, if it's a spell, I don't know what Russ does, but here's what I do. I have my laptop open. And one of the only things I use my laptop for is searching the roll 20 compendium for spells. Because because yeah. <laughs> as soon as the magic user, first of all, they have a, you'll have a lot of ramp up time because they'll be doing this. Um, okay, I think I'm gonna cast a wall of no. Okay, maybe maybe I'm gonna do wind drop. No, I think wall of flame. No, what about the knife one with the cube of not? Uh, yeah, they're gonna so talk a about lot of time. it and ask a friend or phone a friend and you know poll mm-hmm. the audience. They're gonna try and figure out, and that's fine. That's part of the game. Yeah. But like like Sean said, there's there's apps, there's websites that are designed. So Roll Twenty Compendium is one of them. D and D Beyond is one of them. Has a good one. All of them are quick to say like, okay, they've cast Windwall. I don't know exactly what that does, but I'm going to quickly type it in here. Okay, it creates a big wall that you know blows arrows back and it's difficult to get through. Yep. So you can quickly find it as they're reading it out and figuring it out. And here's my rule on my wonderful chart I've drawn. Okay, is it a spell? Is it a spell, Russ? Yes. Okay, you search on Roll20 Compendium. It's a complicated one. Do you understand it? No. It works. Sweet. 
wind wall does whatever you think it could do when it sounds like a wall of wind blows everyone back 50 feet whatever yeah make it up have fun at the table but mark it down later gotta figure out wind wall um if you do understand it then you just do that yeah there you go that's all you need if you know the spell or if you have the spell right up in front of you you can quickly scan it they they make it very clear what the end objective is. But if you're in the midst of like a huge battle and they're like, I cast wind wall, great roll or, uh, you know, whatever it is, it happens. Yeah. It does it. It's awesome. They feel good about it. You feel good about it. And then you can go back and check it later and be like, ah, oh, well, I overpowered your wind wall, but I won't do it next time. There are a couple, there are still, they've done a good job of IV, but there are still a few spells that are confusing, even yeah. like for us. Oh, for sure. Like, there's a few where we're like, what? You know, you got to read it again. You have to have a little debate about, you know, because sometimes players are getting very creative in how they want to use certain spells. Yeah. So it creates some whatever. And, but anyways, and then there's uh, a spell that you can change one letter in, or two letters oh. in a spell that changes the spell entirely. Yeah. So, yes, once you get to like high level stuff, you've probably been playing for a while. Don't start with a one shot where you've got level 15 characters. No one is going to have fun with that. Start low level. Like they're yeah. squishier. Level but one. Easier it's to fun. Understand. It is fun. OK, so let's talk about overwhelm from planning. Right. So the bear. Let's let's got a lot of parts here to answer. Thank you, models, for, for asking this question. How <laughs> aside from not giving ourselves a much enough time, yeah. though that is probably a strategy I use now. Um, how do you stop the overwhelm from overplanning? Right, I have I I found an old notebook for one of my early campaigns, and it's literally an entire notebook of worlds in history. Visual. This is an audio medium. I've got a binder that is like three. This big. It's huge. It's it's like all three, the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Player's Handbook, and the Monster <laughs> Manual all put together. You know what's in there? Useless garbage. Yeah. Because no, nobody asked about it. But months of fun work. But months of fun, fun work. Yes. Yeah. So how do we, I mean, some of this is confidence, right? Um, and confidence some comes of with this experience. Is, so we're not saying, yeah. oh, be confident for your first no. game. It's not going to happen. And, it's fine. But some of planning also gives a confidence whether you use it or not. Yep. Um, no. Okay. I say that we never used it. It's useless garbage. It's not useless garbage. No prep is is entirely useless because you can always go back to it if you didn't use it that session. Right. Um, so you plan 100%. 18 rooms for a maze. You only use two of them. Those <laughs> other 16 rooms then show up somewhere else in the world. Unless you're Russ where you're not allowed to use mazes ever again. Jokes um, on them. yeah no and it's hard like some of learning how much to plan comes from learning how much was not needed yes right and some of that's just a feedback loop where you also it's not about just us some of this is about learning your table if i if i were to step back now i'd be like oh um there are tables. I'm getting to a new table. I plan more because I might have, right? I might have people that want to, well, no, I don't, but I should. Um, the theory stands. Right? I, I'm set in my ways now, but yeah. but yeah, normally like it's learning on the table. What does the table want to do? Right? Like what? Russ and I both have tables that, that we have to be prepared for can spend an entire hour episode doing nothing. Yes. Right? So, and that changes the way we plan. Yeah. 
And then you'll hear, you'll hear me. I don't know about Russ, but you'll hear me every once in a while where the, the table's just like, they're, they're committed. They're just going. And I'm like scrambling. I'm like, oh God, we're moving ahead. Um, I'm ready. I'm totally ready. Yeah, this thing happens. Go. <laughs> oh, wait, that was from last week. You didn't use. Oh, you're through that now. Oh, this thing happened. Yeah. yeah it's so, so part of it's just knowing your table and yeah. part of it I think is just learning. Right. But I, I think most GMs over prepare. When they start now, how do how do we get to know our table if this is the first time we're setting down? Great question. Have a session zero. Sit down with your players, figure out what they think this game is going to be. Yeah. Do they think it's going to be mazes? Do they think it's going to be just dungeon crawl, monster kill, treasure hunt? Do they think they're going to get to seduce everything they they? they walk and come in contact with or do they want to get to know the commoners of this village and why they're there and how they're there you may have a mixed table which gives you a broader idea which makes it a little more difficult but it gives you an idea of what each player is trying to get out of the game alongside as alongside everybody else yeah i use a i don't use it a lot but i tend to like this framework where you um you start by introducing your concept of the world you bring everyone together and you go i have this cool idea don't read all 18 pages from your binder, right? Do the do the short yeah. pitch. I have a cool idea. It's uh it's it's punk world. I don't know. It's like steampunk meets sci-fi meets whatever, demon world. And and just get them interested and excited in the world. And then there's the three questions. What are what would you be excited to do in this world? Like what excites you? What would be fun to do? And then the second question I like to ask is what would not be cool to do like what is off limits what is not cool what is not fun allow players it's a question we don't always ask but allow new players to say you know they might have had an experience playing a game where something happened they weren't comfortable with Mm -hmm. that can come out right i don't like poor russ has run into it my table we don't like killing animals so like wolves and whatever so and then he put frogs in there bastard but anyways it was funny if you haven't heard it you have to hear it the the cast the thing with all the frogs oh yeah i did see i just ignore tables sometimes especially when i know (laughs) it was funny but if you guys haven't listened to that episode oh my oh it's on the patreon you can't okay so uh the the third question um is to then put it into the character right what does your character want or need in this world because i find if if I can get what would be fun, what Russ was talking about, what's not cool, like what what do we need to avoid in this world so you can have fun? But the third one is what I then mine for ideas at, at the table. I don't know if you, Russ, but I'm yeah. like, if I can get a sense of what their character wants to do, like they want to, they want all the riches or they want to be the supreme knight or the most, rec- they want to be the hero um, or they want to be the thief that everybody's afraid of, whatever. That gives us ideas as a GM for what to play with as tensions. That's something I like to do with my table. I mean, both Sean and I have long running tables. So that's something I like to do, not even just off the top when you're starting a game, but have those touch points every, you know, three to five sessions that you sit down and be like, okay, this is what we said last time that, you know, Moot wanted to go do. We've done some of that stuff. Is that still the trajectory that you see your character on? And if not, then you can start skewing the game other ways. So it's a great way to start the game, but it's also a good way to keep it going once you've got it going. So you don't run out of ideas. Be like, well, they've made it to the first goal, but I didn't ask, you know, maybe they wanted to do other stuff along the way. That's awesome. I think we've answered this question. It was a hard one. It was a lot to it. It was a good question. Very good question. Thank you, Models. 
The only other thing I think we didn't really touch on is specifically for Dungeon Masters. And again, for Dungeons & Dragons 5e, go back to that basic rules, get the free ones, um, at least to start. Uh, They break down what you're going to find during, you know, what you're going to need for advice on building combat encounters, be it monsters or riddles or puzzles or anything like that. And then how to read a stat block for a monster. They're just a pared down character sheet, um, but they're just a little, you know, different enough to be, if you're looking at them for the first time, um, different enough to be a little bit of a a pain in the butt. And then how to deal with magic items as well, because that can sometimes throw a wrinkle in when you're like, oh, I don't know what this cursed thing does. Just have fun. Go for it. And get started. That's the key. Just just do it. If you don't have it all figured out, just hopefully we've given you enough tricks that you can just feel comfortable doing it at the table, having fun. And then you'll slowly, it's so much easier if you learn this over time. Yeah. It's like any any game, anything you do, once you start doing it, when, then you can take the things that you run into and apply them to what you're reading. Whereas trying to apply, you know, 900 pages of text that you've read to one specific event. It's crazy how much of this shit we can keep in our heads once we're playing. It, Yeah. It just comes to me now. I'm like in a business meeting and I ask somebody to roll for persuasion because I don't think their pitch is going well. <laughs> they look at me weird but, and then they walk out. That's a good way to end a meeting. But, but also remember, it's okay to check the book. Matthew Mercer checks the book on in his show on the yeah. air. He'll be like, give me that book, flip it open, check yeah. it. It's, it's all okay. That's why it's in the book. Nobody's saying that you need to uh, remember everything. Use bookmarks. Or search, search online. It's all searchable. Um, Okay. Uh, uh, Models, if that helped and if this helped anybody else or if you still have more questions, please send them to us. You can join us on Discord. Link down in the description to our email, dm2gmcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Links are in the description. We've also linked those basic rules. Please go check them out. Uh, Leave us a rating and review. And you know what? If you do... We will read it on here and thank you profusely because that's what we love to do is thank you for listening to us. Now, go play. Do it! The Fable and Folly Network where fiction producers flourish. You wake up startled in the middle of the night, convinced that there's something out there in the darkness. Your brain tells you that there's nothing to be afraid of, that the inhuman shape in the corner of your room is just your laundry piled on a chair. But as you hear the ghostly, ragged breathing that doesn't belong to you, you realize your brain is dead wrong. If you love the mix of horror, mystery, and comedy in shows like Buffy, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, or Supernatural, you'll feel right at home on The Crit Show, a Monster of the Week actual play podcast where the players, playing as themselves, are tasked with being the last line of defense from the forces of evil that go bump in the night. Join us every Wednesday and learn the games we play while the gang tries their best to solve the mysteries, hunt the monsters, and protect the innocent. Their intentions are good. Their dice rolls, not so much. You can find The Crit Show at thecritshowpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.